Welcome to China in Context. I'm Duncan Bartlett. Many people in Germany fear that a crack in the relationship with China could undermine the foundation of their nation's prosperity. As China's economy grew, so did Germany's exports. Up until the pandemic, one in three German cars, including 40% of Volkswagens, were sold in China. Nevertheless, Germany's Chancellor Olaf Scholz has reprimanded German businesses for ignoring the maxim to not put all your eggs in one basket. Mr. Scholz has commissioned a policy review which is geared towards making Germany less reliant on China, warning companies big and small that they may well have to make major adjustments to their strategies. Well, I'm pleased to welcome to the podcast today Yinmei Xie, a geopolitical analyst at Gavakal Research. She studied Europe's relationship with China, and she joins me on the line today from Barcelona in Spain. Yinmei, welcome to China in Context. Hello, Duncan. Thank you. Now, you wrote a report recently in which you said that within Germany, China is often regarded as a commercial competitor, an ideological challenger, and a source of geopolitical threat. Could you explain why those views have developed? Sure. Uh, let me start uh, slightly before all those concerns began to crop up in Germany. Uh, so for many years, German's economy and Chinese economy were quite complementary, and they were economic partners. German had the products and technology uh, that China needed, and China had the vast and growing market that German companies wanted to sell. Uh, but at some point, China began to emerge as a commercial competitor to Germany, and that's due to uh, both the natural upgrade of the Chinese industry and Chinese policy. And it was the latter part that really began to, uh, to worry uh, German uh, business associations, business leaders and officials. Uh, it's this industrial policy that combine trade protectionism uh, that protects uh, Chinese companies from foreign competition, as well as subsidies that enable them to uh, have an edge over foreign competitors, both in the home market and in the third country markets. Um, so that's the commercial competitor aspect. And then secondly, in the last couple of years, uh, you know, the, the mass detention centers in Xinjiang, political suppression in Hong Kong, that really exposed to Germans the ideological incompatibility of the two countries. Um, and then a third, uh, most recently, China's support of Russia's invasion of Ukraine, uh, that came across as uh, kind of the, the, the most direct expose that China does not really have a, a you know, whole lot of stake in the current world order in which Germany has maintained its stability and, and uh, prosperity. Uh, and Germans also began to think about the possibility of a Chinese takeover of Taiwan, uh, and that would further destabilize the global order. And then two, that would present Germany with a set of unpalatable policy, foreign policy and domestic policy options that could further impinge upon, uh, you know, Germany's prosperity. Well, thanks for that summary. I've actually heard observations along those lines about China from politicians in several European countries. They all seem to want to rethink on China policy. Yet when it comes to Germany, reducing trade with China is easier said than done. In recent years, 
China has overtaken the United States to become Germany's biggest trading partner. I'm reading that it accounts for about 10% of the country's $2.6 trillion in foreign trade. So when it comes to the review of Germany's national security, what questions do you think need to be asked? The overarching question is, can German afford to reposition its China policy without sacrificing its prosperity? Uh, and within that, there are different segments, right? So uh, people who are more concerned about ideologies, values, and geopolitical risks are trying to position, reposition the debate, not as German economy being dependent on China, but as a question of uh, there are certain you know, German industrial sectors as well as German corporations who are dependent on China. And that makes the reposition uh, seem more manageable. Uh, but then uh, those corporations and sectors who have benefited hugely from uh, collaboration, economic collaboration, and, and uh, growing market shares in China are presenting this question as uh, Germany is al already, you know, facing economic pressure from uh, this confrontation with Russia. Can it afford a two-front war by antagonizing China at the same time? Uh, so those are the debates that Germany is wrestling with right now. Well, it is a debate. And the Chancellor, Olaf Scholz, seems to take a much more hawkish approach towards China than his predecessor, Angela Merkel. She was famous for that axiom, Wandel durch Handel, change through trade, which was based on the optimistic idea that China's economic growth and its integration with the global economy would help to make China more market-driven, more democratic. What do you make of that idea now? First, I want to say this idea from the beginning, uh, there were quite a bit of elements of rationalization and marketing to it, right? So this idea, the fundamental driver of the idea was commercial and economic. Uh, as we said earlier, the fundamental driver was the complementary nature of the two economies. Uh, but to sort of make it more palatable to uh, people who are more conscious about you know, democratic liberal values. Um, I think politicians as well as businesses put on this wrapper of change through trade, this idea that China could become more liberal and more democratic through economic integration with the West. And I think it's fair to say that idea is dead. Uh, it's very striking that in a very recent paper, a German, the Federation of German Industries uh, said that the idea of change through trade has reached its limit. So with that ideological political wrapper gone, it doesn't mean that the fundamental idea doesn't still have this appeal. That's what officials and Chinese business leaders and business associations are dealing with now. Still, there's a lot of uh, you know, growth and profits at stake in the Chinese market. Even without the political hope of ever-changing China, can Germany afford or can Germany still justify the continuing trade and economic, re economic relations with China? Well, these are tough questions uh, to ask from a political perspective. And the government of Germany is a coalition. Mr. Scholz, the chancellor, represents the Social Democrats. And alongside him are politicians from the Green Party, and the Liberals. Could you tell us a little bit more about the Foreign Minister, Annalena Baerbock, because she's from the Green Party. 
What's her take on China? Uh, she kind of embodies this repositioning of the coalition uh, government, who, which has put uh, value, ideological and geopolitical issues more center in Germany's relationship with China. Uh, in comparison, Angela Merkel's government took a sort of a quiet diplomacy approach vis-a-vis uh, in, in, uh, -vis those issues. Uh, for example, uh, towards the late, late 2019, I think, uh, Chancellor Merkel visited Beijing uh, when the protest and political suppression in Hong Kong were going on. Uh, she, she did raise those issues with her Chinese counterparts, but at the same time, she brought along a high level business delegation that signed a number of high profile business deals. Uh, the current uh, foreign ministry and the current coalition government is shifting slightly that commerce-centered approach and making value issues more prominent. So the, the foreign minister, she told her Chinese counterpart that Germany and China have fundamental differences on human rights. Uh, she told uh, German businesses that she is very serious about pushing for diversification from dependence on the Chinese market. Uh, and recently she criticized China's uh, show of force in the Taiwan Strait uh, by saying that you know, a, a big neighbor should not bully a small neighbor, kind of implicitly uh, acknowledging that Taiwan is a independent nation. So forceful words then. Can the politicians actually press companies to pull back from the Chinese market or to reduce collaboration with Chinese firms? Because, you know, I'm sure that Annalena Baerbock and other politicians are going to get some pushback from the business leaders. How do you think the chairman and the chief executives of German companies see things? Are they at odds with the government? Uh, yes and no. I think within business communities, let me disaggregate the different uh, sort of uh, uh, factions, if, if I may. Uh, there are, so first, there are certain business associations who are sort of paid to look over the horizon, look at risks coming down the road. And they are seeing the, uh, you know, they're raising alarms about the China's industrial policy. They are raising alarm about the uh, potential geopolitical uh, risks uh, uh, that, that could come from, uh, from the region. Um, but at the same time, you have CEOs, business executives who are paid to realize growth and profit this year and next. Uh, and they're telling their business associations to be quiet on those issues. And then among German industries, uh, you know, of course the automakers and, and certain chemical companies who have done very well in China, who have received red carpet treatment in China, uh, they want to continue uh, business as usual. And then there are perhaps industrial equipment companies, robotic companies who are more wary of of technological leak to China. Uh, they're more concerned about being displaced by Chinese competitors and they're more supportive of a more uh, defensive economic policy vis-a-vis -vis China. Uh, and overall, I think you, 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 you know, at the beginning of your question, you did raise the issue of what leverage does the German government have? I think they are struggling with that, right? So the definition of open economy, unlike the China's state-driven economy, in open economy, the government does not have a whole lot of leverages over the corporations or the market. That's sort of the definition of a liberal economy. Um, and I think part of the German reevaluating its China policy 
is to look for this leverage that could gently nudge and, and gradually change corporate incentive and behavior. Yeah, that's a dilemma that faces the governments of all liberal democracies, actually. I want to say something about Russia. You sent me an email in which you drew my attention to a very striking quote by Anna Kuchenbecker, who's a Russian specialist at the European Council on Foreign Relations. Ms. Kuchenbecker said, we Germans woke up one day and found ourselves dependent on the US for security, on Russia for energy, and on China for growth. Well, I can see that Germany's striving to become less dependent on Russia for oil and gas. Does the debate about Germany's relationship with China fit into the same category, over-dependence and therefore risk? Absolutely. Uh, so the idea of change through trade also applied to Russia. And so that is another case exposing that this idea has not panned out, uh, that Russia did not become less autocratic, Russia did not become democratic. Instead, Russia has leveraged its economic integration with Germany to harm the German economy, to limit Germans' foreign policy options, and to attempt to divide the German society. Uh, and a lot of German officials and foreign policy thinkers are now thinking of similar scenario happening vis-a-vis -vis China. Say in the future, if there was a day um, China invaded Taiwan, uh, Germany would be faced with the same set of foreign policy dilemmas and, and a potentially uh, you know, economic damages if China chose to use its economic leverages uh, as Russia did to squeeze Germany. Well, thank you for offering us insight into this fascinating relationship. That was Yen Mei Xie, a geopolitical analyst at Gavakal Research. The podcast is produced by the SOAS China Institute, and you can find out more about our activities, including our courses and research on our website, soas.ac.uk. But for now, that's all from us here on the China in Context podcast team.